like we always do about this time. Hello, I'm fired up this evening. This is God Drugs Laughs Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Christie. I hope you all are doing well. First of all, wanted to say thank you for listening. Received a few messages this week with people telling me how much they're enjoying the podcast and how it's helping a few folks. So that means so much to me, so encouraging. I had no idea what I was getting into when we started this podcast so I'm I'm liking it. I'm enjoying it. And it's so great to hear that y'all are enjoying it as well. A few announcements before we introduce our guests this week. Number one, if you are enjoying the podcast, we would be grateful if you could get the word out. So you could share that on your social media platforms, whatever you use. You know, you could say things like the host has the body of a Greek god and the voice of an angel. I think things like that would probably guarantee people to to listen. So get the word out that way. If you're an iTunes user, you could rate us five stars and make a comment. That would be helpful. You know, if you want to rate us anything under five, just just don't worry about posting, okay? Appreciate that. The other way you can do it is by just telling a friend. You know, we are a, a mom and pop shop over here. Some people spend a lot of money to advertise podcasts, but, you know, we just keep it on the low low over here. So kind of spreading and getting known by word of mouth. So we would be grateful if you could do that. Second, I'm looking for ways to connect with our listeners. So all I really know is to make a a group or a page for us where we can all stay in contact and communicate throughout the week. I'd love for y'all to be a bigger part of the podcast in general. So if you have any ideas, Let me know. I'd love to hear those. Announcement number three. If you are one of those people who... Wait, that kind of sounded weird, didn't it? If you're one of those people. If you're one of those people, you got kids everywhere while you're listening to the podcast. Just kids all over the room. There are a few naughty words at the end of this podcast. So wanted to give you a heads up. And lastly... I have tried out some new mic stands, and I have realized that they are causing some, you hear that? So I am replacing these with our old mic stands. They're free standing mic stands, so you will hear a little bumping on the table. So I apologize for that, but we will get that fixed with our next podcast. You know... I really hope you've had a good week this week. I, I've had an okay week. I'm at my, my extrovert level because I'm really an introvert. So I love being around people. I can do all that, but I have to have a time where I am just by myself, no responsibilities, just being me to refuel. And so it's been a, a little bit of a tough week. I, you know, as a middle school teacher, I had to 
go and apologize to a few of my boys for being short with them, right? They were doing something to play around with me, and I was like, ah! And I walked away, and I was like, oh, that was that was not right. So I went, and I love apologizing to middle schoolers, because I was like, hey, that moment when this happened, I, I shouldn't have been so short and said this. And they're like, what? Oh, we didn't even remember that. I got just such a short memory, but I always want to be a good example. And when I do mess up, I want to apologize for that. However, the good news is I have the next two days off for Veterans Day, celebrating all of our veterans, which we're so thankful for, who served in the military. And then Friday is a homeschool day where our students take their work home and have school at their own house or wherever they live. So looking forward to a few days of rest and relaxation to refuel. I came across some cool stuff this week that I learned and want to share with you. I was reading about a Bible verse where it talks about God's workmanship, that we are God's workmanship. And it went into detail about the word workmanship comes from poem in the Greek language, which the New Testament of the Bible is written in. And that poem is where we get our word poetry. So if you reread that verse in the original language, it implies that we are God's poetry. And I don't know why I needed to hear that this week, but it really put some wind in my sails. And so, you are God's poetry. I often think God's distant and angry, especially with me as I beat myself up and and think God's upset with me. But he's looking down on us, not with an angry face, but with a smile and full of love and saying, man, look at that. They're my poetry. So hope that encourage you, encourages you this week, and um, just remember, you are God's poetry. All right, now on to the show. And now, let's get to know our guest. Well, I am so excited to have our guest on this week. He rode up on a mo- motorcycle with his shirt off, body of a Greek god. Give it up for Lon. Welcome to God Drugs Laughs. Lon, how are you feeling? I'm doing good. Uh, honored and really uh, grateful to be here. Yes, I've been excited to have you on. You are a very spiritual man, so excited to get into kind of the who God is to you topic and a lot of other things. So thanks for being here, man. All right, so we're going to go ahead and get to know our guest, Lon. So i got a few questions for you, Lon. Let's start off with some, you know, some some lobs, some softballs. Is that what you say? Lob softball. Well, yeah. Yeah. This guy, I just felt weird. Well, I do I use softballs. baseball analogies okay. for a lot of Me things. So. <laughs> All right. Easy questions. How about that? All right, Lon, where were you born and raised? I was, I've been a Florida boy my whole life, uh, born and raised in Tampa, Florida, was there uh, up until I graduated high school, went to uh, University of Florida, got a building construction degree, moved down to Fort Myers area for about a year and a half, two years, uh, 
Met my wife at a bar at Bennigan's, which is a whole nother What's story. What's up, Bennigan's? Uh, I remember Bennigan's. Yeah, yeah you got to be just old enough, which is a <laughs> pretty uh, unique story in itself. But then we uh, moved up to Tallahassee, was there for about 10 years, and then I've been in Jacksonville for about 20 years. Awesome. How, what was your favorite thing about Tampa? Tampa was a it was a neat place. Uh, you know, I was the youngest of three brothers, so you know, and which we'll get into the little bit of the, you know, our character defects and alcoholism a little bit later. But you know, for me from the get go, I was always chasing my big brother around, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so I lived in South Tampa. South Tampa was pretty neat. had had a real flavor. You know, Ivor City, and you know, and I say baseball. You know, Tampa's a big baseball town, right. so you know, it was always a. Uh, you know, a lot of fun down there. Yeah, because the Yankees used to a lot spring of spring training, right? Uh, uh, the Yankees, the Reds, uh, so a few few teams. Do you know I'm a fan of the Reds? The Reds? Cincinnati Reds, oh, yeah. Okay, well then then you'll obviously go along with uh, Pete Rose should obviously be in the Hall oh, of Fame. Oh, yes, right? 100%. So, obviously, I, well, not obviously, I'm not from Ohio. Been here my whole life, other than college and graduate school. Uh, but my grandmother used to love the big red machine, and so she always pulled for the Reds, and so that's how it became my team. Old Granny, watching the two. What would you say is your favorite memory from your childhood, or memories? Favorite memory from my childhood? Uh, gosh, uh, you know, I guess it was always just sort of, you know, playing sports and, you know, running around my friends, and, you know, it's like funny, we talk about Cincinnati Reds, I used to have a little game i would play with a buddy of mine in my our garage it was kind of like our own version of sort of home run derby and we would pick a pro team and i and i had the reds i knew you know yes, it, it was every i knew i could name i can't name them now but Barry like in Larkin, 1970 oh. you know seven i was about 10 years old you know and joe morgan johnny bench mm-hmm. and and i could i could name Dave them all Conception. so uh, yeah. yeah so that's uh that's what we did. That's uh you know go to the early Buccaneers games and just uh you know chase life around. Yeah, yeah, those are man just being outside and playing sports. Those are the things I remember the most enjoying. All right, tell us a little bit about your family. Uh, my uh my my growing up family was well, uh or my my family now. Family so now. my family yeah, now. Whatever you I'm, like to I'm share. married. Uh, my wife Jennifer. The light of my life, and I have uh, three daughters. So awesome. I was the youngest of three brothers growing up. So I never knew really anything about uh, females, and God decided to uh, you know treat me with that to have three daughters. Yeah. And um, after all of that, I still don't know anything about females, right. but I've <laughs> certainly been exposed to a lot more, and it's really been a you know uh, just an incredible joy to be able to have that. Um, family life here, uh, you know, so we've been here about 20 years, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a contractor, a commercial contractor builder. And you know, that's, uh, that's what fills up most of yeah. my days now. Been in Jacksonville. We're in Jacksonville, Florida. If you live in the area, kind of St. John's. So, so you are a building contractor. Mm-hmm. So are you, is Jacksonville the only place you have sites? So company-wide, we're mostly in Florida all over, but I handle the Jacksonville, Northeast, uh, you know, Florida region, mostly bigger commercial work. I've built mm-hmm. several schools for uh, Duval County Schools, University awesome. of Florida, a couple projects at University of Florida, Volusia County, really anybody in the, you know, public domain yeah. uh, usually is who we work for. Do you remember if you built Arlington Middle School? I did build Arlington How Middle School. How dare you? You mm-hmm. tore down my 
my alma mater. <laughs> well, I don't know if you tore it down, but um, yeah, I rode over there to see it uh, probably a couple of years ago, and I was like, oh, it's not here anymore. It's on the other side. <laughs> yeah. we, we tore down it. Yeah, yeah that a, that's where I grew up. Over a replacement yeah, yeah. school. One of those things we do a lot. A lot of uh, districts, you know, they don't have any more land, so they have the land they have. A school will be really old, mm-hmm. so we'll we'll go build a school on the ball fields, right? Move them into the school, then go tear the school down and build ball fields there. Yeah. Cool. You're you're helping the next generation, providing a a place for education. I always thought that would be a fun career. I mean, I, I know there's all the stuff that goes along with it, but being able to See something from the ground up. See it come to life and be built. I used to be a sign man, Lon. Did you know that? A what? A sign man? I sign? make signs. Oh, really? Yeah. So, you know, I took pride in my work. We would ride around town and I'd see a sign. I'd say, you see that sign? I made that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why it made me feel manly. Most of the stuff in my life does not make me feel manly, but that was one job that did. All right. Here, here comes some hard ones. Did you ever enjoy professional wrestling? Yeah. Did I ever enjoy professional Well, I'm from Tampa, so that's where professional wrestling, for the most part, uh, got going on. So, Wait, do I, we have a historian here? I, I, a historian? I don't know much about wrestling. I, I would say like today's and for the last 30 years, no, sure. I'm probably not a big fan of it you know with you know i mean it's always been fake of course but whoa you know, who told you that but back in the day <laughs> you know in tampa what was it called tampa armor of for homer hesterly armory is yeah. where they would go you know so dusty roads mm-hmm. and, uh, and briscoe and uh you know all those guys that's where all that started was uh it was tampa that yeah. was the you know and so yeah it was pretty neat you know that's being there cool. what was a Graham, the Graham brothers, or those guys that lived at, back in the back of the neighborhood where I, where I grew oh, up. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Did you did you know it was scripted back then? Like before it. When I was a kid, no. You know, as a kid, yeah. it was like, man, this is amazing. This is great. This is real for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was talking to somebody when I used to be- believe it, and they said, "Just imagine you're in that ring, and a guy throws you towards a rope. What would you do?" That's it. I'd stop and roll out of the ring. Like, Run. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it might be scripted. So that's kind of how I I learned that it was actually scripted. You see all my wrestling Funko Pop. So I like classic wrestling. Wrestling too. Probably the generation after you. Ric Flair. I'm sure you recognize. <laughs> yeah, so. man. All those guys. It'd be amazing yeah. how many, especially the old guys. They were all you know, Hulk Hogan. You know, they're all yeah. old Tampa guys. That's yeah. All... He's still down there, I think. Mm-hmm. All right. What grade were you in when you had your first girlfriend? You 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 know you you did uh, help me out originally and give me these questions, but you're actually not asking me any of the questions. Oh you, yeah, you, these, you these are oh, you know, these I are like hard that. hitters. I like yeah. that. I like that. We'll Making get to those think. other ones in a minute. What grade was I in when I had my first girlfriend? Um, I think maybe around seventh grade, okay. you know, at that level. I don't really know what a girlfriend means other yeah. than, you know, you get maybe give them a, a note, will you mm-hmm. be my girlfriend? And that might have been the, you know, the extent of it. Yeah. I had a girlfriend until she said we weren't. and you know, Probably a couple maybe days didn't later. Right. It's kind of a middle school well, relationship. We talked on the phone and that was about it. Yeah. <laughs> I always uh, embarrass my boys, uh, middle school teacher of sixth and seventh grade boys when they're talking to a girl and Hey man, stop flirting with that girl, Mr. Rob. <laughs> <You turn all laughs> yeah, it's funny. 
All right, Lon, do you believe in aliens? Do I believe or in... Or are you, in fact, an alien? Uh, I, I do believe in aliens, and it may very well be because I probably am. Maybe the whole human <laughs> race is, but we... That really could be a pretty large tangent that we may or may not get yeah. down. But, I mean, I want to get onto it. We'll see if we have time at the end. You know, I always t- I told you I'm a big movie guy, so a big quote out of a movie. And now I'm going to forget exactly which one it is. I think it might have been Contact, where mm-hmm. they were talking about is there life out there, and they said there's a lot of space. It sure would be a waste of space yeah. if there wasn't. A- well, I mean, I can't I can't remember the uh, name of this documentary, but. It came out recently, and they had, like, generals, like, former generals and, like, higher-ups in the military, like, tons of them, and they were talking about it. Like, yeah, what we've I seen, what the and, government yeah. is. Yeah, I've seen yeah. a, a lot of that. Yeah, and that changed my mind about it. So, yeah. Okay, we'll come back to aliens <laughs> when we can. All right. So, you said you went to college, UF. How was that experience? Oh, uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. My oldest brother, he he had gone there, and it was kind of just the path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. I don't think I really thought twice about it. He was in a you know fraternity there, so I went up there, moved into a dorm, then moved right into the fraternity. It was somewhat of a you know drunken drugged haze through it all, mm-hmm. but uh, you graduated. You know, though. I, I I've always been a, a, a <laughs> you know a, a, I am an alcoholic. And uh, which is a very broad meaning, you know, mm-hmm. the isms and all of that. But I'm a, I've always been a very highly functioning alcoholic, well, which okay. is probably why it took me till f- I was 50 years old to, uh, yeah. you know, to decide to, to hit my bottom. Yeah. You know? I've always been amazed and, gr- you know, when I see people come in earlier, younger, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, God, that would be so nice. But, you right. know, I was living in denial. I always said I was the mayor of the city of denial. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I can relate to that, that's for sure. All right, so we covered your profession. All right. Who has been the kindest to you in your life? Who has been the kindest to me in my life? Uh, You know, I probably, you know, probably a cliche to say, but almost have to go with my mother. Mm -hmm. You know, my mother was just, uh, you know, was just always there. There was just never a doubt what was going on in in my life. You know, my mother's love was a... Right there, and you know, I, you know, probably you know, second, which is now comes to my current uh, life, is my wife. You know, right. the unconditional li- uh, love and just knowing that you know, whatever I do, you know, she's there for me is a you know a great comfort. Yeah, something I take for granted, but I'm not anymore. You know that I still take it for granted sometimes yeah. because I'm selfish, self-centered, sure, and sure. you know when I when I have those moments where I sometimes realize it's not all about me. Then Wait, I got it. Then I, you know, it's just said <laughs> moments. I didn't say yeah. a lot, just those brief moments. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just trying to be more proactive and, you know, we talk about gratitude lists right now, what we're thankful for. And, and you can, I can write a long, long gratitude list. So it's good to remember. Another that one of those things I beat myself up for not doing. I got a long list yeah. of those. I talk about it, but I've probably done it twice. So, <laughs> nah, I do it. I, I do it more so in my head. I think you know when I'm feeling down, I just kind of start 
Well, you know, we talk about, you know, 12 step, you know, we talk about program a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and in that, which again, do as I say, not as I do, but uh, is actually taking that pen out. Pen, there's something about yeah. pen to paper, yeah. and it, it just makes it tangible. Yeah. Well, maybe we can work on that this week, you and I. All right. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Now, first of all, I know it would be at my house. Um, but let's I already that tried that and I was told I can't <laughs> live here. So after I got over that resentment, Larry, um, the low uh, rider, you won Larry, the low rider over like quickly. Me and, me and dogs yeah. are, uh, you know, I, I love dogs. I love my children. I, I may love dogs more, but uh, <laughs> assuming my children aren't listening to this, then, then we're okay. If the human race acted more like canines, I do believe we would have uh, peace on Earth uh, yeah. relatively quick. You know, have a quick fight, smell each other's butts, we're done. <laughs> everything is uh, everything is good. Yeah. But uh, where Sorry. would I want to live? Sorry, Lon, mm-hmm. not to go off on a tangent, but do you have dogs now? I have two dogs. Two dogs. Mm-hmm. You get big dogs, little dogs, both. I've been through uh, the gamut. They're smaller to midsize. Yeah. Uh, you know, we had to put a dog down. Mm. Well, you know, it's it's the worst thing about having dogs, Absolutely. and we're humans. We're going to have to put a lot of them down through our life. And about seven and a half years ago, we got a rescue dog, and that dog is she, uh, Callie, which is a whole other funny story where we got that name, but. Um, <laughs> She's a rescue, and she's just deathly afraid of, of people, of life, of air, and you know it yeah. was. So we took her in, and um, but she likes other dogs. So my oldest daughter kept working me over, like we got to get her dog, we got to get her mm-hmm. dog, and just because she was working me over, I resisted and said no, right? You know, but I love dogs. So about two two years later, we got a, another dog, this little mini Aussie. Okay. And um, for her, and it actually brought Callie out of her shell a little bit. Nice. But Callie taught Lily, the little one, to be afraid. And then mm-hmm. Lily, it manifests by she just wants to eat your face off if you come Whoa. over. So it's unfortunate. My wife gets very paranoid. It's not that she is really aggressive. It's really fear. You sure, know? sure. And, you know, as we'll probably talk a little bit more, fear is behind just about everything yes. of whatever problems. Yes. Are. But, yeah. Cool. I'm a dachshund guy now. I think that's what I'll have the rest of my life. Unless there's like a rescue dog or something. Well, I've had, you know, what was my dog really were uh, Shelties. I probably have had three of those growing, uh, you know, through the the period. My last one was really, uh, that was our our family, my current family dog. Me and my wife, we took a trip to Buenos Aires right after we got married. Humble brag. And then, uh, yeah, it was amazing. A (laughs) great friend of mine was getting married. It was just one of those opportunities. It was 19... 97 mm-hmm. uh you know 98 thanksgiving in 98 and we came back we're driving back from uh atlanta and my wife is not a dog person she had right. cats so we had a couple of cats and she didn't want to get a dog because she didn't like dogs we're driving back from atlanta to tallahassee and we stopped and tipped in to get gas and there was a little sign that said sheltie pups for sale yeah. i said hey let's go check them out she says i don't want a dog i said i don't want a dog either let's go check them out you know yeah. so we went and checked out and this one dog ran right up to her jumped in her started kissing her and awesome. so that was a uh, cody who we had for 13 years uh, or so awesome. and was a uh, really probably one of the best dogs anyway yeah nugget our other dog uh, she's a chihuahua jack russell mix uh, my father-in-law is a veterinarian so she was actually on the side of the road just chilling like a little tiny puppy um and a lady rode by and saw her and then sent a he becca's dad sent a picture to becca 
And she's like, I got to have that dog. So that's how we started having dogs. I mean, I've always loved dogs, but yeah. I, I, I want another one, but I know it would be chaos. Cause my, we have a, my wife is a dying to get a third dog. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I love dogs, but our two are kind of somewhat emotionally special needs. Right. And I was like, you know, just the chaos yeah. of the third dog. So I'm trying to get a cat and how she used to love cats. She won't. She says, nope, no cats, yeah. not having a cat. I was like, you yeah. know, low maintenance, you know. Yeah. But I'm not down with cats for some reason. We have you ever, have you ever up, had a Did you have Yeah, them? we yeah. had them growing up. They were kind of. It's a funny story because my sister, she was a witch one year for um, Halloween, and she went walking around the neighborhood. Well, this black cat followed her the whole night and then followed her home, and we kept it. We named it Spooky. So Spooky lived, I think, like 20 years, something crazy. They're just so low maintenance. Yeah. I mean, cats and dogs, uh, yeah, it's like, I love dogs more, but it's like you you get out of, it's like life. You get out of something, what you put into it. Sure. So you have to put a lot into the dogs and you get a lot more out of dogs. Right. I don't think you get that much out of cats, but yeah. they're low maintenance. So you come home, they're here, you know, yeah. they're so. Yeah, that's true. All right. Sorry about that. Let's go back to the question. Where would you like to live? Oh, where would I like to live? If uh I would I would go with Costa Rica. Mm. You know, we went there. I mean, I, I'm not that well traveled, but we went there about four years ago, and it was it was just an amazing place. Yeah, you know, the people are uh, really kind. You know, it's got the coast. You're on the Pacific side. You got the Atlantic side. It's got rainforest. It's got mountains, mm. volcanoes. It Sloth. has. It has it has everything. Yeah, yeah, we stayed in this place, and you got the monkeys. Right, just <laughs> yeah. everything was right there. And the, again, the people were so kind. And I probably would have assumed, you know, I think down in that area like Nicaragua and Honduras and things like that, I would have thought there was more crime. But in Costa Rica, there's really not the cartels and all of that. They're just not right. there. So it's really it's it's like Switzerland. It's kind of this very neutral place. Yeah, they're very got a lot of good national pride and uh, education's good. So it's a uh, it's that place. I would be. Yeah, my buddy Spencer was on the podcast. I don't know four episodes ago, and he lives in Costa Rica. He has a missions um, agency. I guess that's what you call them, but. He lives in Alavalita, which is place <laughs> typically Americans don't go, right? They go to the to the beach, um, into the rainforest and all that. So um but they just got a orf they're starting an orphanage that's in a rainforest. So it's cool they're taking these kids out of I mean, it's basically they're living in cardboard boxes type type houses and uh moving them out there. So it's well, kind of really cool. cool. Yeah. So it's kinda cool. I've seen both sides of Costa Rica, you know. Um, so I went through customs to go one time and, um, the guy said, where are you going? And I said, Alawalita. And he said, do you have a dollar? And I said, yes. He said, let me see it. And so I showed him a dollar and he looked at it. He said, do you see where it says in God we trust? I said, yeah. He said, I don't trust anybody in Alawalita. <laughs> so uh, they do not want you to go there when you come because it's so rough. But like, did you he said, make you sign the waiver right then and there? Yeah, uh, what I, I don't know. I, I forget <laughs> if they made me do that. Yeah, we are not responsible for you. But you're right about the crime. Like they were going to start one in Nicaragua, but it was too too dangerous to have them over there. So uh, there's he said there's some cartels in where he lives, but it's uh, much you know, scaled back operation than typical cartels. I used to be in a cartel. 
<laughs> Just kidding. That's a whole different discussion. <laughs> All right. Our next question. If you could turn back the time and talk to your 18-year-old self, what would you tell him? 18-year-old lawn. 18-year-old lawn. Well... You know, before sobriety where it was just nothing but greed, I would have took like the sports almanac and, mm-hmm. you know, given myself the ability to bet on everything going forward. But now I think really the first thing I would do would be to, you know, if it was possible, convince myself to, you know, give up uh, drinking and drugging and let myself yeah. know where that was going to lead me. Um, and then, you know, uh, try to encourage myself as much to, uh, embrace meditation. You mm. know, I, I know we're going to talk probably about God a little bit later, but, you know, and I don't meditate as much as I would like now, but when I'm able to be still, that's when I find that, uh, you know, that connection. And I'm sure my 18 year old self, uh, would, would laugh at me, but mm. you know, I, I'd say, Hey, look, I'm you, you gotta listen to me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, li- li- listen to that, uh, you know, yoga, exercise, the things to really keep up with, you know, um, you know, would be amazing. And then at the end, just for a little bit, so I could take care of uh, greed and my family, I would probably tell myself to um, buy every bit of Apple stock I could right mm-hmm. when it first came out. Yes, so. sir. Oh, man. Yeah. I, can't, I don't, I, and I know it's not something you do, but. I, I can't think like that. Like, oh, if I'd have done this or that, you know, I know I'm right where God wants me right mm-hmm, now. So mm-hmm. that brings so much peace. All right, let's get one more question in. What would you do? Because I'm really interested in your answer. What would you do if you had enough money for the rest of your life and didn't have to work? Um, You know, it would... Uh I won't say be as simple. It would probably be a few things, you know. Uh, you know, I don't know if I love exactly where the world's going. So if I, you know, had all the money, I'd probably have enough land somewhere that, you know, I could build what I'd call like a little commune, mm-hmm. drill wells, have solar, be able to be fully self-sufficient. And once I knew I, I had all of that, um, you know, I'd probably support right now be my oldest daughter, you know. her She is, a you know, really a philanthropist, you know, have like um summer camps for un- underprivileged kids and mm. and then just keep reaching out to be able to you know find those people that have the vision that want to help humanity and then you know be that you know conduit and supporter to be able to do that you know I, as the old uh, you know gandhi if you want to you know change the world change yourself mm-hmm. and uh so if i can help enough people do that that's how the world's going to change right yeah and just focusing on others, not yourself, brings so much peace. I don't know why it's such a battle for me. I know it, it is for everybody, but like I know, okay, this way, live this way. You're going to be satisfied. You know, you're not going to want for anything, um, but I still take controls back. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's, you know, what we talk about is a lot, you know, give ourselves a little bit of grace, but, you mm-hmm. know, we were, you know, let's say cavemen not too long ago. Yeah. And just the basic needs of survival are so ingrained that it's natural to first want to take care of ourselves. Sure. And I think it's amazing how far the world's come, uh, you know, in, in every way that we don't have to worry about that as much. But mm-hmm. it's hard to let that go out of our, you know, whatever right. it is, limbic yeah. brain, you know. <laughs> All right, I said last question, but I want to ask you this. My wife got on me last episode for being too dark. But let's say I put this podcast out and I change your words and you say horrible things and you get so angry at me and you come over 
And you say, how dare you? And I say, no, how dare you? And then you punch me in the face and I end up dying. Now, that wasn't premeditated, but we'll say you get convicted for it. You're on death row. You can't believe you did this, but you're about to go to the chair. <laughs> this is what my wife told me to <laughs> stop creating This seems really uplifting. I'm not sure what the problem was, but go ahead. <laughs> All right. What would your last meal be? <laughs> what would my last meal be? Uh, my last meal would be... You know, I'd probably have a nice, not too big of a ribeye steak, mm. but a really good ribeye steak cooked just perfect, just so I had just, just enough, you know, to get that taste, but not all filled in. And then just about every different type of crab leg, you know, you Ooh, could have. I just have a big feast legs, yeah. of crab legs, you know, with all the drawn butter and all the different uh, things that go along with it. I wouldn't be wasting a bunch of time with the... Uh, you know, sides and veggies. But when I was done with all that, just a nice piece of a red velvet cake yeah. to, uh, you know, wash it down with. Yeah. You do like to party. I'm a glutton at heart. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. I was, I was telling Becca yesterday, we went out for my birthday with my family, went to the hibachi place that opened up over here in Durban. And man, I just pounded food. And I was like, I wonder how many calories I consumed. Yeah, so my thing, you know, uh, is, you know, my, my current addiction that, uh, that I'm battling is sugar, mm-hmm. you know, and, Mine you know, too. so I kind of go in the no carb. I did the kind of this keto thing about five years ago and I lost about 60 pounds. It really does work. But as you get older, you know, each time it doesn't come off as easy. So oh, I've yeah. gained most of the weight back. And so right now I'm on about day 13 of, you know, no, no carb. And yeah, I'm not going to call man. it keto. I'm not yeah. going to call it whatever. I'm just, you know, I really believe that the sugars and all of that are responsible for just about all of our health problems you yeah. know, that we have in this country. Yeah, right? I am. Tomorrow I'm coming off sugar. I have to go step by step. Like tomorrow I'm coming off sugar. Next day uh, I'm stopping with dairy. I'm going back to my vegan eating. Um, I haven't eaten any meat this year, which is crazy for me. So I'm going to keep that up. But I got to give give up one thing at a time. So I've gained like five pounds, I think, recently. Gosh, I'm, I'm, well, you know, it's like wherever your bottom is, I just, I did, it was about five or six months ago. I was like, that's it. I got to lose weight. And, mm-hmm. and I think I did it okay for about a month. And I don't think I lost a pound. And uh, at that point, I was like, yeah. and it was so frustrating. That I, I went way off. That's right. I, I fully, yeah. and when I go off, I go way off. So now I'm at the point where I, I've got to either, buy new pants or lose some weight and <laughs> yeah. i'm like no no yeah you went last meal style huh yeah. eating everything uh-huh. all right so typically we would ask you who god is to you but do you want to save that as you're sharing your story or uh, what would you like to I do on there do it whatever makes sense uh, i guess maybe i'll try to answer it now okay. and then it'll probably weave in you know as we go sure. so uh, uh let's see here this can be a complex question but let me break it down is so, uh, you know, because I'm going to separate for me now where it is, I'm going to separate God from religion. Mm-hmm. Um, I was raised, uh, you know, in the Jewish faith. And, uh, and I really do, as far as religions go, because maybe I'm just uh, much more educated in that, really respected it. So, 
you know, it, it, it's really neat. You know, Jews by the by their very nature are very, you know, argumentative and intelligent. I had an opportunity a couple of years ago to go to Israel, mm-hmm. and I went to a place where they teach rabbis, and there's something they do there where. You know, they they get one on one, and they they'll pick a subject, and they'll just go at it for a couple hours oh, arguing wow. about it. Yeah. And it's just at the very nature of like respect. You know, I mean, for me, I have to realize that I'm not right at whatever I think. And if two people get together and they can understand that neither of them are right, but they're really going to respectfully debate whatever it is and try to find the answer, that you know. That can solve so many of our world's problems. Yeah, like so that. there's so much at its basis that I really do appreciate about uh, Judaism. However, you know, I'm also at the same time not a fan of organized religion. Mm-hmm. That's just not my thing. I think one of the best uh, things I heard one time about religion was that all religions are different branches of the same tree. You know, so whatever it is that's out there is out there. I do believe there's something out there, but I don't. My, me, I don't believe it's it's one thing. I think there's an energy um, in sobriety. I've come to really, you know, try to educate myself and read on so many. Uh, there's so many, you know, great spiritual teachers. I, I can uh, I could I could quote if I needed to. One of the ones that really jumped out was the first one I, I wrote was a autobiography of a yogi, mm. and it's a it, it exposed me to the Eastern, you know, and all of that, which really just opened up an entire different world, you yeah. know. And so I've come to the belief. I always kind of had this belief, but I really think we just kind of keep on coming back, you know, one, two thousands of times. And, uh, you know, karma is kind of sort of this thing, you know, that, you know, we've got things to work on. Mm -hmm. God, the universe, energy, whatever it is, has us right where we need to be. And we might even have an active role at participating in that, you know, before we come back to incarnate, you know, it's like, hey, I've got these things to work on and here's what I need to, you know, do. So, and I won't ever begin to think for a second that I totally get it and understand it. Mm -hmm. But what I'm mostly doing is opening up to the possibility of what is and when I do that, like when we talk about meditation, it's amazing how then I'll start to have those, uh, you know, connections. It's like, you know, yeah. you know, you start to get those that connection and, you know, the thoughts of like our pineal gland, you know, and our thing. We meditate, you know, you start to make those connections to that. And, uh, you know, the Eastern, you know, you go over to India and a lot of that, there's a lot of gurus that have, uh, you know, have attained, you know, uh, amazing powers, you know, that, that can just do all kinds of things. And, you know, so it's funny how it all comes around. You know, I would call them almost Christ-like uh, powers. You know, as a Jew, being raised as a Jew, I had a lot of probably animosity towards Christian- Christianity. Yeah, I was going to ask you what it was like and, and kind of what you thought about Well, Christianity. Christianity is, you know, Muslims, probably the two biggest uh, religions mm-hmm. are, you know. So it was, I, I had this, you know issue and of course it wasn't their issue is my issue and anytime i'm upset there's something wrong with me you know and i didn't realize as a kid it was like just the hell with everybody else for giving you know razzing on me or whatever and you know how can you say that you know jesus was a you know the son of god or the only one it just doesn't make sense so my analytical mind would want to poke holes in it all Mm -hmm. and i would love to have conversations with people that were hardcore christians just like to poke holes and well this doesn't make sense well how do you explain this Mm -hmm. you know and that was just really ego on my part that's just trying to argue with stuff. Um, in sobriety, as I'm, you know, researching and doing different things, I have become just the most wonderful. Uh, uh, I think Christ's teachings are amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, read, read a lot of Emmett, Emmett Fox, you know, yeah, uh, Sermon on the Mount and Beatitude. So 
when I'm able to disassociate uh, the religion part from it and what man has turned it into, I'll, I'll get out of and just Christ teachings in and of it themselves. There's nothing to argue with. They're, they're, yeah. they're phenomenal. So now that's given me a whole nother, you know, uh, place to look into because, you know, I, I think Christ was just one of many, what I would call prophets, somebody who really saw through the eyes of God mm-hmm. and was able to relay that in his way. And um, and there's been a lot of those that are out there, you know, the Toltecs and big fan of Domingo Ruiz and Four Agreements. Yeah. And, and, and I'm sure there's just thousands others that we've lost through history right. before, you know, people being able to write down and, yeah. and all of that. So, yeah, um, it's interesting to organize religion. I mean, for me, coming you know out of that, I mean, I went got a master's of divinity right in the Southern Baptist faith, so I I know what religion is, and religion to me just it you know it's just a, a breeding ground for pride, right? Oh, we got this figured out. God is this, and oh no no, God is this. You know, oh we know this better than you, and that's what I love about you know the um, the program, the twelve step uh, meetings and things like that is. There's none of that, right? We can all come together, and we all have differing beliefs on God, but it works, and it's beautiful. Well, humorously enough, and I'm a big fan of the twelve step uh, programs. I think they really do work. But um, I, I will say this, uh, you know, I go in and there are those that I would I would call them 12 step evangelist, mm. you know, and they because man of our very nature want to an ego, you know, that's what I'm, my, my direct ability to get closer to God is going to be however close I can do to get rid of my ego, mm. you know, and in these programs, sometimes I see people and they don't realize that there's full ego in there and they're proselytizing and they're evangelizing the program. And it's like, wait a second, you're turning it into the religion, the very thing that you said you weren't going to do. Right. You know, so we say find, a, you know, a God, a higher power of uh, of our understanding. And and that was the thing that really grabbed me. I said, oh, okay, so I don't have to believe what you believe. And they said, absolutely not. That would be ridiculous. How could you believe right. what I believe? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I was writing this down. The closer I get to God is based on how well... I get rid of my ego. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I, I love the acronym. I've said this a bunch of times, edging God out. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was just about to say, yeah. I mean, that, that, that says it all, you know, is, uh, you know, a, a, edging God out, you yeah. know, is that's what my ego is. Yeah. Cause you know, and they say this in the program a lot, you know, what is God? Uh, I, I don't know. I just got to understand that I'm not him. Mm. And if my ego isn't, you know, either for me, either God is in charge, whatever that is, or my ego is in charge. Either one of them. Right. It's one or the other. Yeah. Lon's dropping this knowledge on me. I'm taking notes over <laughs> here. I knew this was going to happen. Let me ask you this just because it popped in my head. So you think that Jesus became more prominently known, obviously, <laughs> on, a, a, on a huge scale, uh, just because it was they were able to write it down and, and do stories and like that? Okay. I was just curious about that. Well, um, I mean, you know, and he was, you know, an amazing, you know, person. Right. Uh, it's like almost, uh, it's like I have this like almost hate to say that because, you know, the evangelist like, okay, I'll tell you he's a person. But my yeah. belief is that he was a person, amazing, saw through the eyes and 
uh, uh, realistically, justifiably uh, influenced so many people. Mm -hmm. But we were at that time where now people, you know, everybody can write it down. And it was like, oh, okay. And again, as I've started to study some of Christ's teachings, you know, it's like, you know, what is that? You know, you, you don't get, you know, you don't get to him except through me. You know, I, I just my whole problem with religion. I think people saw heard that and they're like, "Okay, write it down." You know, it's like right. a, a silly satire. You know, I don't think he ever meant through himself. Mm. He was telling people to go inward. God is inside you yeah, okay. because it's all right there, so you can get there if you go through yourself. It was a it was a self actualizing thing, right? And uh, yeah. you know, but yeah, people took it, and as soon as man takes it and tries to write it down, you know, it's like the you know the joke, uh, not the joke, but you know the old exercise in, in first grade. You tell the kid the story, and he tells the kid the story. He tells it, and then it's a completely different right. story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't like bringing up exercise in first grade. Because <laughs> I was like the overweight kid when we had to do the fitness test. You know, you had to do pull-ups. I, they're like, well, you can't do a pull-up, so just hang there for 30 seconds. And like the whole class is looking at you. Uh, My best funny. exercise uh, joke now is uh, I've changed the name of my bathroom from the John to Jim. So I can tell everybody I go to the gym every morning. I like that. That's a good joke. <laughs> yeah. So this is great. I, You know, one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on here is just to get your perspective on God. And I'm excited to hear more of that as you share your story with us. So I, th- I say we get to that. What do you think? Sure, sure, sure. All right. Well, here we are with our topic of the week. Here is your topic of the week. Our topic of the week is basically Lon's story. So I've asked Lon to share his story with us. And I, I just kind of leave it open, broad, you know, because I want you to share your story, whatever you want to share and whatever you think is important and helpful for others too, you know, because that's why we do this as well. So take it away, Lon. Well, uh, you know, I don't know what's really going to come out of my mouth, but we'll go with, uh, you know, the, the thought of telling my story, experience, strength, and hope, you know, kind of what I was like, you know, what happened, what I'm like now, and you know, what caused that change. So we talked a little bit about, you know, upbringing, you know, I had a good family, uh, you know, upbringing, you know, parents were married, you know, loving household, uh, you know, my, my father, uh, you know, so my, my story, you know, rolls around, you know, uh, you know, alcoholism, there's some drugs in it. Um, but, uh, you know, my father was an alcoholic. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't know that, obviously, when I was a child, but, uh, you know, and, and I think of a lot of the cliches of what people think of are alcoholics, you know, the, you know, the, you know, the bomb in the gutter underneath the thing, or just the raging, mean, you know, out of control person. But, you know, my father was that, uh, you know, a very functional alcoholic. Similar uh, to you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Had a, uh, you know, had a, had a bottle of whiskey in his desk mm. at work. He was a professional, ran a, you know, ran a business. And and the and on the wall in his office, he had a he had a little it wasn't a plaque, but whatever it was, picture, and it said, "I don't have a drinking problem. It's the easiest thing I do." Mm. And I remember reading that as a kid, like, "Okay, I get it." You know, and again, I'm the youngest, you know, so you know, older brothers, you know, they get to the mid teens and they start drinking. And my my first memory I can have was, uh, you know, we used to go to like the, the Bucks games. Mm-hmm. And so my father had a, had a system for that. You know, you get there a few hours early, you know, you, you, you tailgate 
And uh, then afterwards, you break everything out and you stay there for an hour or two, let all the traffic go by, so then you can uh, go. I'm 10 years old. I got a friend with me. You know, we're throwing the football around. It's, you know, 100 degrees out. And uh, and he's a liquor drinker, so he's got a full bar for him and whoever. But he also had a, a cooler of beer, and they had those little, like, little mini Budweiser's. I don't know. They are like 8 or 10 ounces, you know. Uh-huh. And, uh, and it was a cooler full of them just for mm-hmm. whatever, the beer drinkers that come by. So people come by, and they'd open the cooler, and he saw me eyeing the cooler. And he goes, I see you eyeing that cooler. You want one of those? And I was like, Yeah. Um, he goes, well, have at it. So I take it, pop it in. I see what everybody's doing. So I chug the mm-hmm. whole thing down. And then me and my buddy start, you know, throwing the football again. It's about 10 minutes later. I'm on the side of the car throwing up. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, I'm throwing up. And he just chuckling, laughing, you know, mm-hmm. saying, yeah, you know, you'll figure it out. Right. And that's that's what I was thinking. And I know a lot of different alcoholic stories where people have it. And they saw the white light and it helped them to fit in. You know, I didn't any of that i'm throwing up on the side but all i was thinking is i got to figure this out mm. you know because this is the answer that's how you fit in you know as the youngest of three brothers you know early on my people pleasing and chameleon and the and, and the desire to fit in was strong so i you know knew how to you know work my way through you know whatever it was and uh you know to make sure that you know i could get mine you know i'm selfish and if you had it i wanted it Mm -hmm. i don't even think i knew that when i was a kid i just knew that whatever it was if you had it i was going to figure out a way to get it you know and um have you stole anything from my house today not that you know where's my hulk hogan figure right oh no i'm a lot better than that you know if i take it you're never gonna know it you know and uh and it's funny you say that because it's a, you know, yeah, that was my past. You know, I, I, I'd take it. I would lie. I would lie even when I didn't have to lie, you know, just just for the sake of doing it. Um, and then, uh, you know, I just, you know, you, you start drinking with uh, friends and then, um, you know, just a million different of those old stories. I remember 13, it was eighth grade. At the end of the eighth grade year, some girl had a party at her house. I have no idea how her parents let her have this party, but there was alcohol there. Me and the friends... We got older brother buy us a case, and we funnel a case of beer. We go to this party. I come home later, midnight. My father's sitting there on the couch watching TV. I'm like, hey, Dad, how you doing? Yeah, I can barely walk. I go into my bed, which I had a brand-new waterbed. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm on the waterbed, you know, going yeah. up and down. And instead of running right across to the, uh, you know, the toilet right there, I come down the hallway, out right, open the front door, and puke out the front wow. door. And Why'd uh, you make that decision? Yeah, we'll never know why. You know, <laughs> logic probably wasn't there. Yeah. Might have been, you know, God talking to me, trying to figure out something to wake up. But, you know, I uh, went back, passed out. I get up next morning. I come out. It's like my father never left. He's sitting there on the on the couch. And all he does is look at me and says, you got something to clean up out there. Mm. And I say, I got to clean it up. And again, all that's going through my head. A normal person might think at this point is, you know, this might not be something I should be doing. Yeah. And all I'm thinking is, I need to figure this out. Yeah. How you old know, were you then? I'm sorry. 13. 13. 13. Okay. Wow. You know, and uh, right around that age, around 13 or so, my parents got divorced my uh, uh, youngest of three brothers, so my oldest brother, who I used to really follow around and, you know, uh, emulate, you know, he played sports, he was a jock, he, uh, you know, uh, you know, got the girls, got the, you know, everything. About that age, he went away to college, mm-hmm. you know, so he went to college, my parents are divorced, and, you know, hindsight probably wouldn't have been a bad time to get some therapy, mm-hmm. you know, but... 
Instead, I go to, you know, the second brother, and I was like, okay, what do you got? What do you do? And he uh, introduced me to, you know, drugs, uh, mostly, uh, you know, marijuana. So I was like, okay. So when I smoked marijuana for the first time at about that age, that's when I had that white light that I hear people talk about when they drink, you know, <sighs> everything went away. Yeah. And I didn't have to deal with feelings. Because I had a lot of emotions going on. I just didn't know what to do with them. Yeah. My father, who was a functioning alcoholic, had no idea about emotions. We didn't, there was no, you didn't talk about emotions. Mm -hmm. That didn't happen. So um, I was able to, uh, I found that thing that I could, you know, mask. Yeah. You know. I, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. I, when I had a pain pill and I remember going, oh, this is what I've been missing. This is kind of like the secret to life, you know? And I've heard that from a lot of us um, in the addiction recovery world. That was kind of the thought. Well, it's like when we find, you know, pain pills or, uh, you know, or alcohol or, you know, heroin or, you know, those things, you know, it might sound silly, but the great thing about those things is they help us to find that bottom, mm -hmm. you know, a lot quicker because, you know, every, not everybody, a lot of people if they're not perfectly well adjusted mm -hmm. have something, some sort of coping mechanism, but most people's coping mechanisms might not really grab them. They might eat too much. They might go to the, they might work too much. They right. might go to exercise too much, you know? So a lot of these are the isms, you know, that, that we, that we refer to, but we have to be willing to look deeper. But when we, you know, get, get into alcohol and drugs, generally we'll find a bottom that, uh, you know, you know, that that's there. So, you know, that's what I found. And I got through uh, high school, you know, playing baseball, taking AP courses and, you know, again, highly functional mm -hmm. at, at, at whatever it was that I was doing and went away to college, lived in a fraternity house and, uh, you know, which you can just imagine, you know, drugs and alcohol sure. and everything, you know, so I was like, I fit right in, you know, um, you know, humorously enough, my brother was in this journey and he was you now about out because he was already in law school by then. And I go to join this fraternity, and they had this silly little whatever rule, you know, is a blackball system, right? Mm -hmm. So there's guys that could, one brother could say, you know, you're not allowed to come in, <laughs> you know. So I, I I'm, I'm pledging, which I didn't do till the spring semester, because in the fall semester, my brother and my father, knowing my proclivity to party, um, was like, could you just try to get through the fall semester, please? And sure. see, so I got like a three, five in the fall. And they're like, okay, I guess you can right. uh, go there in the spring. And I go there and there was a, there was a brother who didn't start at university of Florida. He started some other university, but he was a transfer and the transfers don't get as much, um, respect, mm -hmm. so to speak. And there was a couple of older brothers that I knew from my high school. They're, they're only, I say older, two, two, two years older than me. And they're like, hey, here's Lon, you know, we want him to come in. And this one guy says, no, I want to blackball him. And they're like, why? Why do you want to blackball him? Which really they probably shouldn't even ask because you're supposed to just say, you know, mm -hmm. I have it. And his answer was, I knew him in high school. He parties too much. Uh -huh. <laughs> and we're talking about a fraternity. <laughs> yeah. So he literally yeah. got laughed out of the room. Uh -huh. was like, okay. that's why? It wasn't like he stole something or your girlfriend or, yeah. you know, it was... He parties too much. Sure. Okay, yeah. No, we're sorry. You were going to be overridden because you weren't actually uh, whatever. And yeah. so they overread it, and I came in, and I was like, all right, let's see the guy that parties too much. Right. You yeah. know, and you, you can guy. just imagine, yeah. you know, how that grew. And so living there and, you know, in the fraternity, and, um, you know, it's kind of like a um, 
you know, we call it a geographical change. You know, when I was getting out of high school and I went there, I had some, you know, issues. I knew I had some issues. I just didn't know what they were. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really, you know, have the courage to really face it. So then I go somewhere else and it was like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see how that, you know, comes about. How would you describe those issues? About. You know, the issues were, you know, you know, sometimes we talk about in the program, sometimes you're almost too smart for your own good. Mm -hmm. They were, you know, I knew I was, you know, smoking too much weed. I knew that, uh, you know, I was, I had the ability or I, I think my issues were that I had some emotions going on and I didn't know what they were. And rather than really going to try to figure out what they were i just snuffed them mm -hmm. you know and, and and it's like i think like the movie alien you know if you know not to take a tangent but what i'm trying to do in my life now is to learn how to be vulnerable and to let it out because i've come to understand from experience that if you don't let it out it's like that movie alien it's going to pop out it's yeah. going to come somewhere in a prop, you won't even have any idea where it comes from. Mm -hmm. So usually, for me at least, if anger or something else comes up, it's really not because of what somebody did right in front of me to cause me to be anger. It's a lot of other stuff that's already built up, and and I didn't let it out in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. So I, looking back now, I know what the I, I know that's what it was. But all I knew is I had this sense of unease. Right. You know, was, you know, restless, sure. irritable, discontent. Yeah, I can relate. But I didn't sure. know. You know, so you know, uh, let, let, let's party. Let's have fun. I was alive for the party. I was my father. I turned into my father, you know, everybody loved to be around me. Let's go throw a party. Mm -hmm. Let's, you know, I, I knew how to plan it, have it, throw it. And, you know, and it, and, and it was, uh, and it was good, but didn't know how to, you know, so much to deal with life, you know, but I could get through since I was highly functioning. And then when I was 21 years old, I was home for the summer, uh, met a girl and, uh, you know, my best friend that he moved across the street from me when he was 13 years old, he ended up going to Flagler. And uh, anyway, we're home over the summer and his girlfriend's best friend is who I ended up, you know, so over the summer, we're all hanging out, having fun. I go back to college and uh, like the first weekend, you know, hey, we got a big party at the fraternity, you know, got the band going to be there. Y'all come up. So they come up to visit. Um, so I got my girlfriend, him and his girlfriend. And uh, during that uh, night, they're out on my balcony. I'm on the third floor, and he, she's got, he, she's sitting on the on the wall, just th them out there. She falls off the balcony, mm. and he's holding on to her. Whoa! And he can't pull her back up. The only thing he can do is swing her to the balcony below. Jeez. So he swings her to the balcony below. That momentum flips him over the balcony. Oh. He falls to uh, his death. Wow. And dies. This is your friend. Huh? This is my friend. This is, I don't remember a lot of dates, but that was uh, August 21st of 1988. Wow. And uh, so, you know, shock, trauma, but, you know, I had already started to understand that if something comes up, you just snuff it. You marry mm -hmm. it. So I don't know that I ever really remember dealing with that. You know, you put on the face, you deal with it. We had a funeral. I had a party at my house afterwards. Mm -hmm. I uh, got through that semester. I took the next semester off, probably really just somewhat as an excuse looking back, you know, eh, yeah. I need to, you know, whatever. And then went back to school, got into the School of Building Instruction, uh, moved off campus and got through all of that. Um, and then, you know, graduated. Then another geographical change, go down to uh, Fort Myers, you know, start, you know, start life. Right. And, the problem uh, is you took yourself with you. Yeah, right? <laughs> everywhere I went, you know, I, I would go yeah. somewhere like, you know, I'm sure what, I, you know, just all the little things. It's like when I went down there, I remember now that I think about it, 
a few things. I'm going to change something. I'm going to control right. it because I know how to control everything. So I was like, well, when I went down there, I think I knew I had a drug test, so I quit smoking weed, you know, and I quit smoking for, I don't know, maybe 30 or 60 days, you know, just because I had to and to prove to myself that I could mm. do it. And, uh, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a TV head, you know, is watch TV. When I went out there, I had a TV, but I didn't hook up the cable for a few months. So I'm reading books and, you know, like life is going in a different place, you know, and then, uh, you know, then I met my girlfriend and I was like, well, I got to hook up the ca- ta- cable and mm-hmm. people party. Well, I might as well start, you know, uh, you know, drinking and drugging again. And then, you know, it's progressive. Then it just, you know, it jumps. Yeah. So then we moved to Tallahassee and, uh, you know, another, another good change, but I took myself with me mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, my best friend, his, uh, grandfather had started the company and that's what he got me up there to work. And he was just, he's one of those just live large, you know, it's like, yeah. come on, let's go, let's go, go, go. And he's one of those that didn't do any drugs. He would, uh, just drink, but he, yeah. he'd be with me all night and then he, he didn't, right. he didn't need that. Is that who you mean when you say we? You and your friend went up there. No, me and my wife, me and Jennifer, me okay. and my girlfriend. He lived okay. in Tallahassee. Okay. The company, the company the is in. Uh, yeah, so she's a girlfriend at the time. About a year later, he says, "Hey, you know, you didn't get that uh, uh, degree to work for a subcontractor. I was working with a drywall subcontractor down mm-hmm. there, and uh, come up there." So I said, "All right." So I asked her, "Hey, you want to go up there with me?" She said, "Great." You know, so she finished her degree up there, got a degree from FSU. And has always said she's not a knoll. She's a gator because, you know, we went there. But now <laughs> yeah. my daughters are in FSU. And, oh, okay. You know, so the, the lines have started to blur a little right. bit as yeah. to her uh, true, uh, you know, loyalties and all. I guess I, the devil's I, real, I, right? I joke, Leading them astray. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It, <laughs> I'm a U.S. It's, fan, it's so <laughs> funny. So funny how, how all that. So we go to uh, Tallahassee. Uh, we're living there, living large, you know, uh, Buy our first house. I convert the garage into a game room, you know, put a pool table in there, friends over, party all night, you know. We just, you know, we're just having fun, you know. Um, and I don't remember a lot of dates, but on June 24th, uh, 1999, we're seven months pregnant with our first child. Okay. And I'm at the office, you know, we're bidding something. I'm in the bid room, they call it. And uh, my wife calls me on the phone. I take out my little flip phone and I open it. And, and she says, the uh, the house is burning to the effing ground. Whoa. You know, you need click. And he goes, clowns. Like, That's all you got. Wait, what? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if I heard it right. Yeah. So, you know, 10 seconds later, she calls back, the house burned on the ground. You need to uh, get home. So I, I stand up and I was like, my house is burning to the ground. I got to go. So yeah. I, I, I go, I drive there. And it's like the, the news cameras, they, they, cover the air so there's a, there's a the fire trucks are there they're you know spraying the house there's flames just coming out Jeez. of the, the thing and the news cameras there and i have a vhs step because somebody taped it that oh, night yeah. and they gave it to me and the and the cameras focus in on me and they're like i think that's the homeowner you know <laughs> and they look at me you can just see on my lips oh yeah you know yeah. and uh and my wife is, a, she was across the street with the dog. Mm. You know, we weren't sure if the cats got out, but we found out that the cats got out. Good, good. So nobody was, you know, so my first thing is let me call the insurance agent. You know, is the insurance paid up? We're good. Okay. Yeah. And I didn't mean to start. She goes, I get it. You know, yeah. it's an accident. And so that gave me something to really focus on. You know, it was like, you know, rather than dealing with what may be the trauma, 
you know, my solution there was I'll just control and fix. This is great. I've got a, I've got something to do, you yeah. know. So I rebuilt the house. We we're in a rental house. And I said, I'm going to get this house together by the end of the year so we can have a New Year's Eve party. Because we always had a New Year's Eve party. And it was mm-hmm. just another, you know, just something to do. Mission. So yeah. Just a mission, something yeah. to focus on. And what happened with the fire? She did, uh, like, my wife did nails in the back room, and Mm -hmm. it's really conjecture. I don't really know, but I think that she, so she left for, like, 20 minutes to go to, like, the tomato land, the, you know, vegetable stand up the road. And I think she left a candle burning. Maybe the cats knocked the uh, uh, paper towels over, and then it got a hold of the acetones and all of that. Because the firefighters, they said, for, you know, as quick as we got here, it was so hot. Yeah. You know, but all of that is just whatever. I guess nobody really ever know. Sure, I flooded my apartments <laughs> one time, so um, <laughs> I, I totally get it. Yeah, our, they turned our water off, and of course, you know, just out of habit, I went in there and I turned it on. No water came out. Well, I forgot to turn it back off, oh, yeah. and the, finally uh, turned on. Yeah, the drain didn't drain very well, and so I get a call from my downstairs neighbors like. Water is coming into my apartment. I was like, oh, no. I'll take water over fire any day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, fire is is one of those things. I talk about that um, experience as, you know, one of the most amazing opportunities I hope I never get to do again. Yeah. You know, (laughs) it was, I got to focus on something. It was, uh, you know, you know, the fire, fires are there, you know, everybody's there. And then finally they get it out. You know, for about a fire, I say what the fire doesn't get, uh, the, the water from the hoses gets and what that doesn't get the smoke gets Mm. you know so finally they had it out the firefighters leave everybody leaves one of my wife's good friends was there and she's like i said you know what do you want me to do i said take her go find a hotel somewhere so everybody leaves and it's just me yeah and you know all i want to do is go find my you know container of weed that was you know all uh sealed up i was like okay this is safe this is good you know we're, we're okay. And, you know, and then, and then I, you know, I set in motion to get it all, you know, fixed uh-huh. and to have a New Year's Eve party, which was amazing. Uh-huh. Um, What's going through? I mean, you're basically standing there watching your house burn to the ground. Yeah, so. it didn't quite burn to the ground, but okay. it was, uh, you know, the, the back room I had to tear down completely okay. and the rest of it, I just gutted. I didn't have to take the studs down, but I tore all the drywall, the wiring, the finishes. Yeah. So uh, what's that feeling like, though? <laughs> you know, and I tell you, Rob, it's a it's, it's such a great question because this is you know so you know what is my problem? What is an alcoholic's problem? For me, it was the inability to feel. I, I don't know what I was feeling. Yeah. I'm not sure if I was feeling anything sure. other than you know, damned is my insurance paid for? Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, my wife and the dog and the cats are okay. I mean, I, I guess I had somewhat my priorities intact. Of you know, sure. hey, nobody's hurt, yeah. and this is just a thing, but. I don't really remember, you know, all I remembered is, you know, let's just refocus my mental efforts right. so that I don't have to feel. Yeah. So let me re-effort, re- refocus my efforts. Let's jump into the, you know, and I'm re- rebuilding this house on, you know, you know, drain. It just, it, it, it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, I had friends that would come over like, I don't really know what to do, but I'll help you out. I was like, so a lot of it was moral support. I was like, oh, just yeah. come hang out. I got a cooler beer here, you know, and, you know, that was the, the joke. They yeah. were just, uh you know, moral support and we got it all back together. And, and I'll tell you, this is the most anticlimactic moment of my life. So I told you about the dog we had, Cody, mm-hmm. he's a year or two years old. We had a, a, um, a, a park right behind our thing. I took him to every day, you know, mm-hmm. throw, he was just amazingly uh, obedient and, and everything was great. Right. So that night to New Year's Eve. So, um, 
you know, I just get this whole thing back together. It's, you know, you can just imagine the euphoria of, uh, oh, sure. oh, yeah, yeah. it's amazing. So it's midnight. We, we go to the park to f- fire off fireworks, mm-hmm. you know, and about after a half hour of fireworks are going, I look down, I was like, where's Cody? Up to this point, I guess we'd never really been around fireworks. I didn't realize that Cody did not like fireworks. Mm-hmm. So Cody he, probably does not like fire in general. <laughs> right. So he ran away. Oh. And he was gone for three days. Oh, man. So at this moment, I'm as happy as I could be, and then immediately that happiness is gone. Yeah. So we're looking for Cody for three days. We get nice. him back, and, and and all that's that. And, you know, so, you know, drinking starts getting, you know, a little bit worse. And uh, I don't know, and, uh, about two years later, an opportunity came up to come to Jacksonville. Again, you know, so we basically moved the family, you know, geographical location, mm-hmm. took myself with me. Um, we're, we, we, we move into a neighborhood that's kind of like a new street where everybody's, uh, the houses are just being built. So as everybody's moving in, I'm the mayor. I get everybody together. <laughs> hey, let's have a fire pit. Let's all drink. Yeah. So we all hung out. My second ba- uh, child is born. My wife is in the house with a, you know, uh, you know, a, a three-year-old and a newborn. And when I get home from work, I'm like, are you okay? Do you need anything? I mean, no, I didn't think so. I'll be outside partying with the neighbors. Right. You know, so I basically abandoned her and she's trying to deal with everything. And, you know, she doesn't know how to communicate that, you know, with, uh, with, with me. I wasn't easy enough to communicate with. Mm-hmm. And, so we go through that and, uh, we, you know, uh, six years later, we have our third child and, you know, things are stressed because things are just growing with me. And, and I didn't know how to deal with emotions. I didn't know how to express it. That I can't imagine how amazingly difficult that was for my wife mm-hmm. to, um, not know how to, you know, see me change, but not know how to communicate. So then she said, well, let's, you know, Let's move down to St. John's County. You know, the schools are great. You know, we can get a different house. I said, sure, great. This would be another great opportunity to take a little geographical change. We moved in the same basic neighborhood. There was a new street. Everybody was moving in. So I just repeated the same, you know, stuff. Mayor's back in town. back in town. (laughs) Had everybody out there partying. And now she's got another uh, Mm. kid. We have three kids. And, you know, you can only do that for so long before, you know, and I was just growing more and more miserable, but nobody ever knew it because to the outside, everybody thought I was the happiest uh, thing in the world. Because right. you looked and happy. I looked happy. you put it on. Well, yeah. like we just talked about emotions. If I if you don't learn how to do it, they're, they're going to pop out somewhere. So, mm. you know, I got to a point where, you know, I, I did a lot of driving for work. And, you know, as I'm driving, I would be like, wow. I could just I could just run this truck into an embankment and mm-hmm. I don't have to feel this anymore. I remember those and, thoughts. And, and yeah. feel what? I didn't even know what it was. All I knew is, you know, I didn't know at the time that what it was is I just need to learn how to process everything. Mm-hmm. So we learn how to process everything, then you know, it doesn't mean that bad things don't happen, but you learn how to how to cope with them. And it just it got finally to a bo- you know bottom of a you know weekend September seventeenth of two thousand seventeen, you know that's where I got to where you know my incomprehensible demoralization, and it was either I you know jump over the the balcony rail or ask for help. So I asked for help, and uh, you know went to a, a rehab. Was there a moment that happened? I mean, you don't have to share that. Yeah, you there was, yeah. you know, just and it was just that point that of, bottom. you know, well, you hit that bottom where, you know, you're you're going to do something you just never thought you'd do, you right. know, and, and all of that was growing in my head, you know, and it just didn't even matter. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I became somebody that I, you know, just 
never thought that I would become, yeah. you know, and then, Me it, too. and then it just becomes like, wait, what, you know, you're looking in the mirror and like, who are you? Mm-hmm. You know, how does this come? And, you know, so, uh, you know, my, my wife encouraged me, hey, you need to go away somewhere and probably for more reasons than one. And, uh, and I've even thought that at the beginning, like, who are you to tell me I need to go away somewhere? And then I thought about it, I was like, that's probably what I needed to do. And yeah. I went there and it just so uh, happened. I didn't even know that it was 12 step oriented, mm-hmm. you know, and then they, you know, I start studying the 12 steps and I was like, wow, this is, this is really, it just hit me. I was 50 years old. I was ready, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, once I started, you know, clearing everything and started, you know, writing down things and the 12 steps and, you know, you get to, you know, the four step they talk about, you know, doing a moral inventory yourself and mm-hmm. able to write all of those things down and look at it from only my perspective, not what somebody else did. And then, able to share them with somebody else. And, you know, they talk about those 12 steps, but, you know, for somebody that's never heard of the 12 steps, I'd break it down into three steps. You know, the 12 steps are basically, you know, find God and then clean house and then help others. So, you know, finding God is the first three steps, you know, whatever that means to you. And, um, you know, so I was able to, and you kind of got to do it in order and do it slowly. And I didn't know what it meant. I just, I always believe in something. So I started reading a lot of spirituality and then, you know, steps four through nine or what they really call cleaning house. So generally, or at least for myself, I had enough wreckage of my past. So I had to write it down in a, in a logical manner so that then I could share it with somebody else and see what kind of character defects there were that kept repeating. And for me, it was, you know, uh, control and manipulation to be able to get anybody to, you know, steer them to do what I was, you know. To say selfish, dishonesty, those are kind of behind everything. And really behind everything is fear. Hmm. You know, fear that, you know, a a lack of self-worth, not loving myself, and, uh, and not really realizing that rather than ever dealing with any of that, I just snuffed it all out. So as I start writing all that and I become aware of that, you know, then you get to the, you know, the steps six and seven where, you know, you, you, you ask your higher power, whatever that is, you know, I, I have these character d- defects, you know, please, uh, you know, help me to get rid of them. And then, you know, eight and nine, where you make a list of people that you had harmed and, you know, uh, you know, go to make amends of them, you know, as long as it won't hurt them or somebody else. And that four through nine is really about, you know, the ability to clean house. And that was very, very important. I got a clean house from my past. So the analogy I use is a whiteboard, you know, so I like clean my whiteboard off. And, and once I did that, it, it felt so good, you know, so I'm very protective of that whiteboard and I don't want to, and now I, I can't even say this out loud without almost feeling weird because I could lie about anything. Now I can't lie. I can't be dishonest because I get this pit in my stomach. So this, this pit in my stomach of the feeling something will come up as is my gauge is my barometer mm-hmm. now. So now I can pay attention to that. I'm like, Oh no, I, I know where right. this goes. Yeah. So if I start with that and then it all starts to grow and, and I don't want to uh, let that happen. So then, you know, then 10 through 12 is really kind of helping others. A 10 is really just uh it's like four through nine in a nutshell where I kind of, Hopefully, if I am dishonest or it doesn't have to be dishonest, it's subtle. It's a, you know, my manipulation or control will come out. I'm like, wait a second, that wasn't right. I can make an amends to somebody right away. Or at the end of the day, if I'm meditating, I can think about, you know, assess my day's events and see if I did something that, you know, 
you know, wasn't wasn't spiritual and and, and, and and try to make it right. My life is about trying to make everything right and it feels so much better. And then step eleven is uh through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact with uh you know with higher power and that's really where it is. You know, if mm-hmm. I meditate and it's like I'm listening to God and God talks to me, the spirits, the whatever it is and you know, so I'm listening. If I'm praying, then I'm talking to God. You know, so meditate's listening, prayer is talking to. Mm-hmm. The twelve step is just to help somebody else. And how do you help somebody else? I don't know. It takes on a million different, sure. uh, you know, ways. Maybe I can just be there for somebody, talk to somebody, you know, and just, uh, you know, go through that. So through those, uh, you know, uh, you know, all of that, I've been able to find, uh, you know, a, a life really that I never thought was possible. I mean. I thought it was possible when I was younger. I never, you know, thought I would, you know, get to that incomprehensible. I didn't understand it. It just grows so slowly. But I, you know, I, you know, I, I love my life. I love my family. I love the ability to, uh, you know, my oldest daughter's 22 and then 19 and 13. So the 22 year old, we had some battles mm. and, uh, she's just like me. You know, she's, uh, you know, articulate. She's a lot smarter, a lot more articulate. And um, very strong-willed and idealistic. And now we can have these just amazing conversations about things. Uh, you know, I have no anger, I have no anything. And it just is great to be there as best as I can and be yeah. present. So relationships are coming, uh, you know, back. Uh, I'm just, I just, it's amazing to me how before, you know, I didn't think twice I could do something immoral and it, it was, I had already done that so many times. It just didn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's like, Ooh, you know, I, I'm not worried about getting caught. Uh, I, I know that deep down, you know, my higher power, and it's not some judgy God, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's the spirit of the universe. It's we're all love, you know? So, you know, if I'm operating out of love, then why would I do something that, you know, is uh, contrary to that, right. you know? And so it's just so much easier to see. And, all of that came through those, you know, those, you know, the, you know, the steps and doing it slowly. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I was working with, you know, when you work through the 12 steps, you know, you'll work with somebody that kind of call it a sponsor, a mentor, or whatever. And uh, there was an old timey guy that he'd been sober about 40 years. Wow. And, you know, I'd done the steps one, two, three. And I said, hey, man, I need some help. You know, he says, I don't know. You want me to be my sponsor? You want me to be your sponsor? Or do you want me to walk through the steps? I have no idea what the difference of that is. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that means. So we started working through it. And instantly I just, I was like, well, I need to get to step nine. I need to make amends. I need to say I'm sorry. He says, yeah. well, we can't do that because you have no idea what you're sorry for. You know, yeah. you know, so I intellectually wanted to figure it out. And he says, just slow your roll there, little buddy. Yeah. You know, I like, did that <laughs> um, with Becca, like probably, you know, this Two last times. time getting, <laughs> yeah, getting sober. Like I just told her a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And so I got on um, the phone with my sponsor and I told him, he's like, well, that was incredibly selfish. Just, yeah. yeah, you're just trying to free unload yourself your up. own stuff. Yeah, yeah. we want to yeah. unload it on somebody else. And I want to unload it in the most amazing manipulative yeah. way where then they can own it and I look better. And Yeah, I thought he was going to be so proud of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, no. I did it when I, when I was in rehab. I remember there was this old guy. 
uh, as a doctor, and he was just amazing. He's 84 years old, and I'm not sober for three weeks. And I write this letter. It's like, here, I wrote this letter to my wife. I think it's going to be amazing. He's like, I just see the look in his eyes. And I say, here, you want to read it? He goes, you just read it to me. I read it to him, and he's like, wow, that's a crock of shit. And I, <laughs> and I was like, wait, what do you mean? This was, this was amazing. He goes, what is it that you're really trying to say? All that's just a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Or you're trying to justify and make it all sound good. I was like, well, I'm sorry. He goes, well, if you were going to say anything, which I wouldn't suggest that, that's about it. Uh, honey, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's it. You know, because you have no idea what you're saying. You need to just, right. you know, slow this down. And that's what this whole, you know, this program and everything has allowed me is to realize is I try my best to practice patience. You know, I said the word God up there and, I, and mm-hmm. all the cliches. So in the 12 step programs, we're, we're full of a lot of cliches. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and I, and I think of one of them is uh, patience. Uh, God doesn't make you patience, He gives you opportunities to practice patience. Mm-hmm. So now as things happen, you know, and, and rather than getting mad, I realize, you know, if, if there's a feeling going on inside me, I call it the 10 step axiom, which is if I'm upset, then there's something wrong with me. You know, so, uh, it, it, you know, somebody will say in the room, there's an old timer who says this all the time. If somebody spits in your face, are you going to be mad? And naturally, everybody says, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. He says, no, you're going to be wet. Mm-hmm. Everything past that's on you. Yeah. So does it mean that you are a doormat or you let people walk on you or abuse you? Of course not. But uh, anger is usually a, a front for fear. So if I'm going to look at it, you know, then I can realize, oh, you know, they probably have a lot of problems. Almost anything somebody does that's really, you know, immoral or out of character or something that, you know, would justifiably make me anger, mm-hmm. angry is on them. So I can look at them as I would a sick person and have compassion, mm-hmm. say a prayer for them, you know, back to, you know, Christ teachings, turn the other cheek, you know, mm-hmm. turn the other cheek didn't mean, you know, just let somebody keep beating the hell out of you. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt and I'm going to walk away. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's interesting to think about because when you think about being Christ-like, I mean, there at the end, right? <laughs> he was taking all kind of in, in, know, in the most all, important all kind of pain. Yeah, yeah, the most important, which is I believe, which is why I believe in you know, kind of coming back a lot. You know, in those Eastern gurus. You know, I mean, Christ at the end, I think he knew he was in touch. He goes, oh, "I'll be back again, so, yeah. whatever that looks like." Right. You know, so I am going to you know show that I don't have to fight back. I think of the Gandhis. I think of the you know the you know the, those that are that strong to realize you know there's nothing you can really do to me because this is just my current incarnation. Right. And as I realize that, you know, it's hard, you know, because, you know, like you were talking about before being selfish, you know, we're, you know, uh, our, our original instincts that want to protect ourselves and everything. That, that's the first thing that's going to come out when I realize, wait a second, you know, I've, I've evolved spiritually. I've evolved, you know, for me, tiny, minute parts at a time, right. but, you know, I'm able to do it more than, then I can take that step back and realize, oh yeah, okay, I can, yeah. I can get through this. Yeah, I love talking to you about this stuff because um, it's weird. I, th- I think most people don't understand this, but you know, I was a pastor for five years, and the biggest struggle has been God. You know, that's the big piece <laughs> that you gotta gotta take care of, and I know, like, I'm a a really shitty God, <laughs> you know, I know where that's going to lead me when I take control of my life back from God. Um, but that, that piece has been a struggle. Not here lately though. You know, I've had a couple 
couple good weeks and my sponsor was just kind of like like you said my my biggest the biggest thing keeping me the biggest obstacle is intelligence right and i'm not saying i'm the smartest person in the world because i'm definitely not but um he just like you got you got to get past that get over that hill you know well they say it all the time you know that the smarter people have the toughest time with the program you know there's people that would come and it's not disparaging but the people that that don't like my problem is my brain has always gotten in my way yeah you know there's people that come in broken so to speak and their brain doesn't get in the way and they just get it right away they mm-hmm. do what they're told. They, you know, go, you know, and it's like, wow, you know, yeah. I want what, you know, I want that, right? You know, but uh, you know, I love it. you. Say you're you're a crappy god, you know. It's just that self loathing, and I so relate. It's you know, and I love the saying. I said it before: is all I have to remember is that there's a god, and I'm not him. Yeah, yeah. you know. And so when I can, you know, humility and all those, you know, simple little things that I used to say, like you know, to make myself look good, but mm-hmm. I don't think I believed him. Yeah. I was like, I just want to tell you, how, let me express to you how humble I am, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. so that you can understand what an amazing, you know, it's all right. BS, you sure. know, and humility is uh, just, you know, that old timey sponsor is that when I first started, he says, let, let me explain to you rule one. Rule one is shut the fuck up. <laughs> and I was like, well, and then, if you're ever in doubt, rule two is rule two is refer back to rule one. Yeah, yeah that's a that's and, a big and, shot at your ego. Oh, How'd you handle my, that? <laughs> yeah. Well, of course, I went to explain to him why that right. doesn't probably work for me. Yeah. And why he'll understand why it doesn't work for me. And he's been doing this for forty years. He's just laughing. He goes, just. Uh, yeah you know and, refer and back it, to one and it's so <laughs> it's so prophetic every single thing that got me in trouble in my life chances are started in my brain but then it immediately came out of my mouth yeah you know so if i could just shut yeah then i don't have to do anything wrong i don't have now if i'm thinking something wrong i can discuss it with a, a friend or a sponsor and i can put it into perspective but if mm-hmm. it doesn't come out of my mouth i don't actually have to make an amends for it right <laughs> yeah yeah so the 12 steps I was talking, you know, some people reach out from the podcast um, who are listeners and, you know, saying, Hey, I don't relate to the drugs and alcohol, but I have issues with food. I have issues with this. And so I always refer people to the 12 steps. I'm like, man, you know, that first one admitted we were powerless over blank and you could put anything in there. Right. Yeah. That is such an amazing point in, in what you, you know, in all of the 12 steps, it doesn't, you know, in that, in that first step, mm-hmm. you know, if you're in the alcoholics part of it, you know, it says I was refer, I was powerless over alcohol. Right. But the 12 steps are I'm powerless over blank. Right. Put anything in there. Yeah. I'm powerless over reading, exercising, you know, being too nice, whatever it is that is, is getting you squirrely. Mm hmm. Then. Yeah. Lon's got to go pee, right? Woohoo! <laughs> Some suggestions, some suggestions for you and you and you. I've been doing this here for 41 years. A whole lot of blood and a whole lot of tears. So why don't you just sit right down in that chair and let go of all your worries and your fears I have some suggestions 
some suggestions for you and you and you. Especially you in the back not listening. All right, here are our suggestions of the week. Lon, you want to go first? Sure, sure. Suggestions. So what should we do? So, you know, I'll tell you, uh, you know, I have to say, because I was just thinking about this when... You know, when we're just talking about uh, different types of, uh, you know, it doesn't have to just happen to alcohol. It can be anything. And, you know, you were, um, you know, starting to get into talking about, you know, it could be anything. And the first step, I'm powerless over blank. And then, you know, one of my main character defects is, you know, control and manipulation. And the way that will manifest itself a lot is I will interrupt people. So what I first want to do is really just make an amends to you, Rob, for interrupting you. You were talking and I interrupted you. And I've been doing it my whole life. And I tend to do it so seamlessly that people don't even really realize it, Mm -hmm. you know. And it's like, well, I already knew what you were going to say. So I'll say it because I can say it faster and better. Mm -hmm. And and, and it's just something that I'm trying to break the habit of because it just quite frankly is rude so i'm sorry and i wanted to apologize for that well i accept your apology i was honestly going to sucker punch you when we went outside for that no we we talked about it a little bit before but i just i didn't notice it at all so because you're so good at it right right, right. <laughs> and, that, and that's the joke right yeah. you know because i'm so good at it yeah. but you know so it, it leads into the suggestions you know so so suggestions for me is a. Uh, Learning, you know, that, you know, if I, uh, you know, do something, you know, wrong, if I'm just in any way, just go ahead and clear the air, you know, make an amend, mm-hmm. say you're sorry, just get it out. Don't, you know, don't make assumptions, you know. Um, and, and the other, you know, suggestion, you know, that I'm trying to do better, you know, I'm going to beat myself up a little, sit little self-loathing here is do as I say, not as I do. Mm-hmm. But the suggestion would be to, uh, you know, learn how to meditate more. You know, one of these memes I see on like Facebook a lot is, you know, uh, in, in, in like elementary school, what could we teach in school, you know, more? If there mm. was something you could teach and people talk about math, whatever, I always put meditate, you know, mm. it would be amazing if we start teaching kids for five minutes a day, you know, just learn how to be still, just yeah. be still, shut it all down. And what does so, your meditation look like when you, when you're doing that? To uh, those well, who have n- no experience or background. So, in it. uh, you know, what, you know, what I do, I'll, you know, there's a million different, uh, you know, YouTube, whoever, mm-hmm. whatever, Guide um, guided, it. yeah, guided meditation. So I'll do a guided meditation and it just allows me to, you know, stop the chatter as much as I can. You know, I think people used to think, or I used to think meditation meant don't think anything, no thoughts. Well, that's ridiculous. There's no such thing as no thought. But, you know, you can give yourself some grace and, uh, you know, focus on your breath. And then when the thoughts come in, you can gently, you know, say, okay, here's what my thoughts. And as you do that, you know, so, you know, I've become a fan of a lot of different spiritual teachers, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh, he's one of them. He actually just recently passed away. Mm. And I read one of his books and it talked about, you know, healing the inner child, you know, so try to meditate a little bit every day and invite your five-year-old, um, you know, little self up, you know, that maybe have been hurting. There may have been stuff. And if you're just quiet, if I'm quiet long enough, then maybe some feelings might come up, maybe some uncomfortable feelings. Yeah. And that's okay, too. You know, let them come up. And then what happens, what I found in sobriety is that when uncomfortable feelings come up, the most amazing thing happens, if I don't run to the, the, the drug or the drink, is that 
they come up and then they go away. Mm. And then when they go away, maybe the next time they come up, they're not as strong because I haven't given them that power, you know, and then eventually everything comes. So the biggest suggestion is meditation, whether it's guided meditations or, you know, go through like meetup groups, find people to do it together. I found that when I do it in a group, there's a, I don't know, there's a little bit of a different energy that's a little mm. bit more powerful. And, you know, I can feel the energy of different people and, um, you know, and then other than that is, uh, you know, we talk about a higher power or whatever. I think it's very important, but I'm never here to proselytize what it is because whatever I believe in it is not, it just doesn't make sense to me to have it what somebody else would be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just be open to the possibility. Like we were talking, started talking about aliens. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. Just become open to the possibility of whatever mm-hmm. and then let it and then let it go let it flow yeah talking about those feelings i i've learned all this just from my treatment and the program but my dad died this year um and i felt myself shove those things down and i still don't think i like i've mourned him you know, so that's kind of, that kind of worries me, <laughs> as it should, you know, because, yeah, I just, those feelings were just popped up and I couldn't deal with them. So, and, and we're good, you know, those of us who have been addicts, alcoholics, we're good at shoving those down. So, thankfully, I haven't turned to something to overpower those feelings that I don't want, but I'm getting back in counseling trying to learn how to deal with those emotions when they pop up and uh, the healthy way. But meditation's great. It's help. I'm not, I'm not doing it right now, but I'm going to start back. It really helps me when I meditate and just to be still, you know, like, like the Bible says, be still and know that I'm God is a, is a powerful statement. So, well, thanks for your suggestions Lon. my suggestion, since we're talking about aliens is, the documentary I was talking about earlier is called Unacknowledged, an expose of the world's greatest secret. Did you watch that one? Do you know? I have not, no. Yeah. I, it, it, it's interesting. They talk about <laughs> events when, you know, nuclear weapons and things like that were used, that the activity of aliens, you know, w- was more prevalent. And they see them around the those areas where those things are built because that's what they're interested in, right? This is one thing that could hurt, hurt us wherever we're from. Um, but yeah, so this is just recent where I'm like, okay, I think these things are real. After watching this documentary, it was that powerful for me. So take a you know take some time, watch it if you're interested in that. If not, don't do it. Send us some of your suggestions. We'd like to know what you're up to, what you're enjoying in life, and what's helping you get by day by day. Right, Lon? Absolutely. Absolutely. Just be open to uh, everything. Yeah. Is that your last word of encouragement, or do you want to share anything else? No, I I think that's about it. You know me. I talk all day, but uh, (laughs) I think you got uh, the gist of what I got. Yes, sir. We're going to have you back on, Lonnie. Talk about aliens, maybe. All right. We're so thankful for all of our listeners. Um, Hope you enjoyed the podcast and we will see you next week.